Today we are going to talk about the fundamental attribution error. What exactly is the fundamental attribution error, and why is it so important? Let's look at an example. Say your friend Bob takes you to a party, and at that party he introduces you to his other friend Eric. Eric is particularly curt, and seems uninterested in meeting you. He comes off as unfriendly. Chances are your first reaction is to assume Eric is just an unfriendly person. A real jerk, if you will, right? Well, what if Eric is just having a really tough day? Maybe he broke up with his girlfriend, or maybe someone close to him has passed away. Then you may think Eric's behavior is excusable because, well, he's just having a bad day. I guess Eric isn't that bad a guy, huh? Well, this mix-up in judgment is a perfect example of the fundamental attribution error. In other words, people tend to place more emphasis on internal explanations rather than considering the circumstances. So next time you meet someone at a party, don't be so quick to judge them. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob, and no, I am not the lead pastor of Gateway Church. We'll reserve that right for Pastor Tony, who is unable to be with us this morning. Keep him in your prayers, if you will. Got the call yesterday evening, so I took all of his notes and basically tossed them out the window. Ah. Uh, I'm not exaggerating, folks. You know, my son knows me all too well. Wow, politics and religion. You know, when politics and religion get in bed together, it's a mess. I'm really going down a rabbit hole today. But I just feel I need to say it. 
Jesus, the most non-political person that ever walked the earth, he had one agenda, and that was to bring people into his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love. And for doing that, for doing good, if you read your scriptures, you will see that Jesus went about, it says of him, he went about doing good. And because he went about doing good, and people began to follow him, religious and political leaders of the day perceived him as a great threat to their seat of power. Isn't that amazing? I I just find that nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Apparently, the most threatened were were the religious leaders of his day because they saw large crowds following Jesus everywhere he went. I wonder why that was. You ever think about it? Because Jesus went about doing good for others. He loved them. He cared for them. He touched. He healed. He encouraged. He motivated. He brought joy into their lives. Who wouldn't follow a person like that? And it threatened them. Well, he's got more. There's more people down at that church than up at this church. What's going on here? We've got to figure this out. And they did. The religious leaders of the day, the keepers of the Torah, the keepers of the law, love God, love others, don't steal, cheat, don't murder, began to plot the murder of Jesus and made excuses for it. Isn't that amazing? Those who were entrusted with the the law of God that said, you shall not murder, they were plotting the murder of somebody going about, and his only purpose in life was to introduce people to the kingdom of God. And they began to plot. I said politics and religion, when they get in bed together, it becomes a mess. Rome was the authority. Rome was the dominant power. And the religious leaders of Jerusalem had no recourse. If they were going to arrest Jesus and have Him punished and put to death, they had to somehow get get in with Rome because Rome only had the authority to kill anyone. And they succeeded. How'd they do that? Well, they packed the court. You ever hear that term? The Sanhedrin were made... the, the Religious and legal officials and keepers of the law, the Sanhedrin, made up of 70 members, they began to bring outsiders in. And they paid them bribe money and they said, now this is what we want you to do. When you come, we're going we're to let you stand before the court and you're going to give witness that this Jesus is a blasphemer against God. And they did that. And once they, once they had run a kangaroo court and officially put Jesus under notice that he was being charged with blasphemy, they said, well, the next, the next recourse is we somehow have to get an introduction and, a, and, a, and an audience with Pilate because Pilate was the tetrarch. He was the, the official power, the official authority of Rome in Jerusalem. He was the ambassador, so to speak, of Rome. 
And he kept law. And so they made their way, which was unheard of, because the Jews had nothing to do with Rome, and especially a mean person like Pilate. Pilate was mean. He was mean to the Jews. He crucified them by the thousands just at a whim. He raised their taxes to to where living was almost impossible to live. And yet the religious leaders were so opposed to Jesus because Jesus was going around doing good and taking people. He was more popular than they were. It angered them. To the point they're going to have him murdered and they're going to cohort with uh, Rome to have it done. And it gets better. Because Pilate, he he sized up the situation real quick when they... they, uh, brought Jesus to him and said, our law says he has to die because he's done this and that. And Pilate said, well, under Roman law, I don't see any problem here. Uh, he's innocent in Roman law, under Roman law. I find no fault in him. And so they ran back down and, and they heard that, that, that King Herod, which Herod was just a puppet king now over the provinces of of Judea and Jerusalem and, and that region because Rome was the true power, but they, they kept him in place to keep the peace so people wouldn't riot and rebel against Rome. They said, we got to go work this out with Herod. And the next thing you know, Herod's making a phone call to Pilate, which was unheard of. And they worked out a deal to where Jesus would appear before Pilate and be judged under Roman law. And here's where it really gets good. Here's the audacity of politics. Here is the misguidance of politics. Here is where, folks, politics will not save you. Or a politician. They run Jesus through a fake court. They go out in the communities finding whoever they can to join their side because isn't that what politics is all about? My side, their side, our side? Who's against us? Who's for us? And they were gathering up all this fake evidence against Jesus. Man, we think politics today is something new. No way. This has been going on for thousands of years. And so they arrest Jesus and they march him before Pilate and Pilate begins to do the Inquisition. Well, I understand Jesus, uh, somebody says you're a king. Are you a king? You have a kingdom? You have an army? And Jesus Unflinching looks at Pilate and says, You know what, Pilate? My kingdom is not of this world. Because if it was, my followers would have already risen up, taken arms, and defeated you. Oh, wow. Hey, Betty, you're the one in handcuffs. So then you are a king. And here it is. The one word 
that condemns Jesus to the cross? Yes. Yes. I am a king. Don't you know, Jesus, I have the power to crucify you? You say, that's where politicians always go. I've got the power. I've got the authority. I'm in control here. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm telling you. Don't you understand who I am, Jesus? And I love it. Because I love the Lord. I love this. Jesus. Calm. Unflinching. He looks in Pilate's eyes. It's Pilate whose eyes are darting around. It's Pilate that has the nervous shuffle. Don't you know I can murder you? Pilate, you have no power over me unless my Father in heaven has willed it so. Pilate goes running back, talks to his wife. He said, she goes, and guys, sometimes we just got to listen to the wives. She goes, don't have anything to do with this guy. I've had a dream, and only bad is going to end here. But Pilate, like so many of us, he didn't listen to his wife, and he ran back out. He sought other counsel. He finally came to the conclusion, I'm going to release him. And the crowd, now here it is. Here's what every good politician will do. The crowd raises their voice. The crowd is on the edge of revolt. Pilate has had many revolts that he's had to put down over the years. And Rome had already sent him a letter and saying, Look, if you can't control these people, we're removing you from power. And what that meant in Rome was, you're going to the gallows. And Pilate sized the situation up pretty quick because he's a good politician. I've got to get the crowd behind me. And the crowd started to shout, crucify him, crucify him. But man, there's something about this guy. Well, I'll tell you what, as every good politician will do, I'm going to run an end around. Under special situations, I can, I can release a prisoner to show my goodwill to the people. Pilate never showed goodwill to anybody. But all of a sudden, he's going to be magnanimous because his political future was at stake. So he says, look, let's offer two prisoners, Jesus and Barabbas. And because Jesus only went around doing good, I know the people will will pick him. Oh, guess what? Yeah, it didn't happen that way, did it? Now Pilate had backed himself into a wall because Pilate had no courage. He bent to the whim and the will of the people, the voices, the anger, the mob. And he says, go crucify him. And we know what happened. They did that. End of story. So they thought. And now here we are 2,000 years later recounting that story, praising Jesus, being part of the kingdom. That's what I was going to preach on this morning. 
being part of the kingdom. Remember, Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this earth, you'd have already been defeated. My kingdom's based on higher authority, higher power. And for 2,000 years, the kingdom of God has been sweeping the earth. And those that dare to be kingdom people are going around doing good. And God blesses wherever that happens. So let's look at our, our, our uh, scripture for today. Found in Matthew chapter 6, I believe verse 33. Let's just jump down to that. Roll it one more time. There we go. So they're all in a, in a tizzy. The crowd's in a tizzy, worrying about the things of life like we always do. Almost to the point of obsessiveness. And Jesus says, look, you've got to quit worrying. Well, why? Why do we have to quit worrying? Well, roll it one more time. I've got to get to 33, guys. There we go. So don't worry about these things, what we're going to eat, drink, what we're going to wear. Well, we always worry about those things, don't we? And we size up the political parties, and, and we, we a lot of times base our judgments on those three things. Who's best going to provide for me through the government where I've got clothes to wear, food to eat, things to drink? Meeting the daily necessities of life. Jesus said, man, these thoughts dominate the thoughts of the unbeliever, but your heavenly Father knows already your needs. Here it is. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. I don't say anything more right there. <laughs> Are you seeking the kingdom of God above all else? When you got up this morning, was your mindset, man, I, I, I want to seek the kingdom of God. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God beyond all else. Probably not. Probably not. In reality, we don't, we don't generally live our lives like that. And it's more than a saying. This has to be a way of life for kingdom people. When you're born into the kingdom, you confess your sins to Jesus Christ, and in His love and grace, He comes and forgives you. He sets you up as a, as a kingdom person. You're a person of the kingdom. You have keys to the kingdom. That's what Jesus is trying to tell His followers. Hey, what are you worrying about? Because we always obsess about the temporal. Things to drink, well, after a while we're thirsty again. Things to wear, well, after a while they wear out and we got to go buy a new wardrobe. Things to eat, don't mean to be crude, but we pass it along and guess what? We eat some more. Temporal, folks. And we're obsessed. Walmart, uh, Walmart, well, Walmart, absolutely, but Wall Street is built on this precept. Wall Street is built up on this. And Jesus said, don't you know these things are just temporal? They're going to pass away like we will. Invest in something a little more lasting, like everlasting. Be a kingdom person. So if you're a kingdom person, don't worry. Yeah, Jesus, right. There was a song out like that, wasn't there? 
be happy, don't worry. Pretty good advice. Really is. Jesus introduces us to to the kingdom in Matthew 5. In Jesus' longest sermon that that was recorded, the Sermon on the Mount, He begins it by, by saying these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's His opening salvo. And over 40 times, He delivers 40 parables and 40 teachings through the Gospels about being part of the kingdom of God. So I think it's sort of important to Jesus that we're kingdom people. In fact, He says that. Make that your first priority over what you're going to eat, where you live, your entertainments, your friendships, anything that affects your life. It has to be filtered through the kingdom. And He gives us the filter when He says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are mourning. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not a Big Mac and a Coke. Blessed are the merciful, and on and on He goes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Wow. So what's he saying here? Well, here's what Jesus is doing in these words about the kingdom. He's saying God's ways always contradict the way of the world. And if we're not careful, folks, as kingdom people, we look, we've, we've been so focused in these past few months on what's happening in our world and in our country I'm afraid we lose sight of the fact that we're kingdom people first. I'm a kingdom person first of all. My ethnicity happens to be, and and race happens to be, I'm white Caucasian. I was born in the United States of America. So, down the list, I'm an American. I'm proud of it. My father's name was Baker, so I guess I belong to the Baker clan. And somewhere, way, way down on that list, I may be this party, that party, or somewhere in between. But you talk to people, man, I'm a Democrat. Man, I'm a Republican. Well, let me hit you in the mouth. Well, let me let the air out of your tires and egg your house. What in the world is going on? Because we have invested as a society and as a culture, we have invested in what is temporal. And there's only so many pieces of pie and, and politicians. Sorry, politicians. I, I, I love you. I know there's some great ones out there. But parties, political parties are like rats chasing the last crumbs and the last piece of cheese. And Jesus says, don't do it. 
Don't run here looking for salvation from this group, salvation from that group. Be a part of the kingdom. Follow the one that went about doing good, who knows something about political corruptness and, and, and religious un, un, uh, uh, in, unfaithfulness. And caught up in the turmoil. And got cut out, cut, caught up in the stage of, of the world scene. And they thought they were putting this good man to death so they could keep their power base. Isn't that amazing? Power base. I get so sick of hearing that. We just need to look these people in the face and say, just like Jesus, hey, you have no power at all unless God ordains it. You can't do nothing unless God ordains it. Keep that in your hip pocket. Whatever happens in, in this next week, whatever happens, God has ordained it. And guess what? I may be uncomfortable with the results, whichever way they go, but guess what? I'm a kingdom person first. I'm still going to pray to Jesus. Still going to read my Bible. Still come fellowship with the saints. Still going to try to help my neighbor. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to try my very best to love those that are unlovable. By the grace of God, I'm going to be a kingdom person. I'm going to give my tithes so that the worship can go forward. I'm going to give extra out there to, to the poor and the needy to try to help them. I mean, we've got to be kingdom people, folks. Regardless of who is in temporal power. But we worry. And Jesus is saying, look... If you're going to be part of the kingdom, you're going to be at odds with the world. Here's what, here's what these Beatitudes tell us. The worldly value, if we're poor in spirit, they want to be proud and have personal independence. Sounds like most Americans. Jesus is saying we need to be members of the kingdom of heaven. Happiness at all cost. Instead of those, we don't want to mourn. But yet Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn. Why? Because it's God who will comfort. It's God that encourages. It's God that lifts up the brokenhearted. Whew. Better than any politician will ever do for us. Power. Jesus contradicts power with meekness. You know what it said about Jesus as he stood before Pilate? Pilate got irritated because at one point Jesus quit answering the questions and just stood there. And when he confronted Jesus and, and threatened to crucify him, he goes, You know what, Pilate? It was for this end that I was born. You talk about a Christmas story. Go to about the 20th, I think it's in the, like the 20th chapter, 19th, 20th chapter of John. I love that verse. He tells Pilate, for this end I was born. Yeah, I know. I know you're going to crucify me. I'm here. Kingdom, meekness. Like a lamb led before the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. Yet God, the Heavenly Father, exalted him. Three days in the grave. And that grave cracked open like an Easter egg. And Jesus arose, exalted. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. Man, I get this stuff. Folks, we need to be kingdom people. 
and quit trying to live the norms of the world and realize we are created by God for something better, something everlasting. But if we're all wrapped up in, in, in the worries and the cares of life, And Jesus said, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about what you wear. The pagans, the pagans, the worldly, the world seeks after these things. As we live out our life, regardless of the political landscape, we're living... We're, we're on a higher road, folks, as kingdom people. Come what may, we're faithful to Jesus. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our savior. Man sure isn't. I suppose in the not so far future, preaching this kind of a message would probably get us all in trouble. Because it's going to threaten some political entity out there because we say they don't have the answers and they don't have you ever had a a, a political entity to have the answers for the woes and the problems of humanity i don't know i'm setting my sights to enter in the kingdom of god i don't know about you i want something everlasting so Jesus has a little more to say about the kingdom. Now I'm going to wind her down. Let's go to uh, Matthew 25. Sort of a long scripture. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and thank God Jesus is coming. <laughs> he ought to come about three minutes before they announce the winner of the political... <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord! I can just hear us now. Wait, we want to know who won! Who cares? All the nations. You talk about political dominance. You know, Hitler tried this, and, and other dictators in, across centuries have tried this, right? Get all the nations under their dominance? Can't be done. But Jesus can get it done, and He will. All the nations will be gathered in His presence, and He will separate the people As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will place the sheep at his right. Right. That's your right. That's your right, right? See? It's like I'm in theater. Okay. You know, everything's backwards. Anyway. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you you who are blessed by my Father. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back it up, back it up, back it up. Matthew 5. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are part of the kingdom. There it is. My Father will bless you. You will inherit the kingdom prepared for you. He's talking about us, folks. God's preparing His kingdom from the beginning of time for you and me. We must be important in His sight. I can't always say that about those I voted for in the past. And probably not so in the present either. Or future. Here it is. Listen. 
I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was unclothed, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, you cared for me. I was in prison, you came and visited me. Wind it back, wind it back, wind it back. Matthew chapter 6. What does the world worry about? Drink. The kingdom of God people give a drink to the thirsty. Do you see the correlation here? The world worries about clothing itself. Kingdom people see those in need and clothe them. The world discards those that, that cannot add value to them. What does the kingdom people do? They visit the orphan, the widow, the homeless. They take them in. Give financial support. Whatever we can do to help. The very thing Jesus was talking about all the way back in His earthly ministry, all the way back in chapter 5 and 6 of Matthew. You know, He said, folks, you're worried about these things. You're worried about clothing and food and drink and and, and safety. And and guess what now? He's saying, I'm blessing you because you heard my message and you went out into your world and you radically changed it because you dared to love. And isn't that the message? Pastor Tony shared with us, you know, it's about carrying one another's burden. It's not beating one another over the head because we were affiliated to a red or a blue or somewhere in between. Insanity is what the world delves in. The kingdom of God and its people are stable, confident, trusting, loyal to the one who stood before the political machine and overcome it. And that's our inheritance, folks. Whatever happens, whoever leads, whatever party posts their banner over the White House, we're kingdom people first. Kingdom people. And we live our lives by the authority and grace and love of the merits of the kingdom that Jesus came and established, died to establish. So someone says, well, who are you loyal to? Hey, why don't we just be brave and say, I'm loyal to Jesus. Who are you placing your trust in? Jesus. Well, I didn't see him on the political flyer. Wait, wait, what? Now, nah, because his kingdom's not of this world. He wants us to partake in something far better. Now, I'm not advocating that you don't vote. That's your civic duty. It really is. I'm just saying, folks, we got to quit worrying about the outcomes of our society 
society has always been in a mess. Why? Because we're sinners. Sin creates problems. Jesus said, remedy it. Kingdom, remedy some of the social problems of the day. That's our responsibility. And by doing so, we'll be blessed. Not unlike the goats, who Jesus goes on to say their part, their portion of all this, not so good. Not so good. We worry, we fret, we get angry. And Jesus is saying, why? Trust me. Jesus says to trust him. So I think I'm going to go out, cast my vote. If you've already cast it, good deal. And I'm not going to worry about it. How about you? We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. The true authority of the world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Wow, we needed you today. We pray that you would uplift our pastor and, and, and Tamara this morning and give them the strength they need and give them encouragement, Father. And, and I know in a humorous way, but he's, what little hair he has left, he's probably pulling it out by now. But, you know, that's all right, Lord. We preach what you laid on our heart. And your word never returns unto you void. So we thank you, Father, in uh, a season of political unrest, we can have that rest that only you bring to us. Thank you, Lord, for being in control of our lives. We may not be able to control what's going on in the world, but we allow you to control us. And in doing so, we know that we are eternally safe in you. We love you, Lord. We do want to put your kingdom first we don't always succeed sometimes we waver we're acknowledging that lord this morning thank god you don't discard us because of it you just send your spirit and more of him to help us do better what a loving gracious god you are so father bless our nation not because of anything that we have done but lord there still needs to be a light of freedom and democracy in this world, if you so deem it so. And we do pray for those that give of their time and their public service. And thank God for, for those that are trustworthy and faithful and, and really trying to do their very best in the political realm. Lord, we know their jobs are difficult, so difficult. We pray for them, Lord. And we just pray for uh, peace and safety during uh, these next few days that, God, your will be done, because it will be. It will be on earth as it is in heaven. But most of all, Lord, may it be done in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Been fun. Get to preach once in a while. Have to brush off the dust. God is good, isn't He? Always faithful. Any other announcement I need to make up from up here? I don't believe we're singing today. Be safe. Please be safe. Do your, do your protocol, you know, six foot apart, mask, all that. We want you to be safe. God bless you. Have a great day. Go vote. Oh, wait a minute.
wait a minute, I forgot John Wesley. Can we shoot him real quick? There you go. If you need any more advice, take it from a guy that lived back in 1750, okay? There it is. Vote for the person you judge most worthy. Speak no evil. That's a good one. Of the person you voted against. Take care your spirits are not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. God forgive me for breaking all those, I think. But anyway, he will. No, he will. He will. If you really mean it. And Lord, I really mean it. I'm going to do better. God bless you. You can pass out now, okay?